You're listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast, episode five. On today's episode, I'm going to be sharing all about what I learned running my first ever crowdfunding campaign for my fashion brand. So get ready to hear lots of do's and don'ts. And if you're planning a crowdfunding campaign, this one is not to be missed. Let's get into it. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to Brave and Boss, the podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. If we haven't met before, hello, and welcome to the podcast. I am the host, as well as I am the founder of Brave and Boss, which is basically this podcast, as well as a great blog with resources for growing your e-commerce business, um, as well I do some coaching through that and mentoring in Marie Forleo's B-School. I'm also the founder and CEO of Encircled, which is a line of sustainable and ethically made women's wear. Um, all made in Toronto. So I am actually really excited for this episode because it's super relevant timing for a lot of our listeners. And I know I learned a lot through the process of running a crowdfunding campaign. And I have to say, um, you know, wherever you are in the journey of your business, that's always a great learning opportunity, no matter what you're doing. Um, no matter if it's a success or a failure, I've always found there's really amazing things you can learn through that process. And I know a lot of businesses use crowdfunding campaigns as a way to kick off their business. So, you know, you often see new brands pop up on there and they launch like, you know, the best ever pant made out of pop bottles or something like that. Um, and that can be a great way to launch your brand to the world. However, don't discount out that you can use it as a way to get new customers and build awareness for your brand if you have an existing brand already. I've seen brands do this uh, repeatedly as part of their strategy. There's a brand out of Toronto who does menswear, uh, merino wool um, clothing, and it's basically part of their strategy is just to continuously do these kind of Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaigns to launch their next product. And it's been really successful for them. So you have to see how it would fit into your strategy. And I can't determine that for you, but just something to think about. Like if you're listening to this and you already have a brand, you're thinking, nah, crowdfunding is not for me. Um, you may be wrong. It could be really great if you have like a super innovative product. Um, so that's where it kind of began for me was with, um, my fashion brand encircled. If you want to check us out, you can go to encircled.ca and see what we're all about. Um, but we really focus on launching products there. So we don't launch, you know, fall winter collection and here's our take on stripes. We're really passionate about function meets versatility meets sustainability. Um, in clothing. So we treat every product launch, every product, every design like a hero, and we launch it independent usually of anything else. So one product, one launch. So Indiegogo or whatever crowdfunding platform you choose is really good for that because it's really all about making that product the hero. So when we started to talk about potentially doing this, um, probably six months ago was the timing. I thought about it and I just seen, actually my inspiration originally was, um, this brand, this is, this is kind of a funny story. I'm going to share the real, real, cause I'm really honest with you guys, but this brand reached out to me on LinkedIn and wanted to connect and learn all about, um, 
our sustainability and where we make our clothing and stuff like that. And when I looked at the brand, I realized they're actually like a competitor of ours. Um, and they're pretty new to the market. They were launching like the best ever travel pant. When I looked at it, it kind of looked like our dressy sweatpants, which is like our original, um, pant that we've had for five years. And I just thought, Oh my gosh. You know, I'm all for collaboration over competition generally, but when somebody like does some sort of inspired copy, I'm kind of like not necessarily in the mindset of giving them my entire supplier list. Um, it's a fine balance. Like I like helping people, but definitely when I feel like somebody's doing a bit of a copy and using the same materials and stuff like that, it, it's not something I'm going to, um, necessarily want to support because it's competitive to my brand and taking uh, business away from my brand. Um, even though I believe there is abundance for everybody, if the product is too closely targeted, um, yeah. So generally that's where I kind of draw the line. So I started looking at their campaign actually and started thinking, huh, well, they're, they're out here promoting this pant and really like in a lot of ways, like overselling the benefits of this pant. Um, but it's working. They raised $200,000. Like, I can't argue with that. They're obviously doing something right. So I started thinking about how we could use it for our business and what products we had coming up that might fit the bill of being like really innovative, unique, and able to be positioned on a platform like this. And first of all, now I'm just going to apologize for my voice. I'm still sick when I'm recording this. So hopefully that doesn't distract you from (laughs) the content on this podcast this week. Um, But really, we had a product that we had dreamt up and it was the idea of doing a comfortable take on a woman's blazer that was functional and beautiful and sustainably made. And we called it the Unblazer. So this product was in its infancy when we started thinking about crowdfunding and really was my idea to come up with the crowdfunding because I felt like it might be a nice way to get new customers into the brand um, and to get more exposure for the product. So that was my hypothesis originally. Take this product, launch it on a crowdfunding platform, get new customers and um, build a lot of buzz for this product. Now, I started planning this probably in September and our launch date for the Emblazer was going to be in November. So that's about 60 days. Um, I generally would recommend um, planning longer um, and planning way farther in advance, especially if you're launching to um, a smaller audience, if you don't have a list built up, if you don't have a social media following. I would probably start planning that campaign like six months out realistically. Um, there was a lot that we were able to kind of leapfrog because we had an audience already. So what I mean by that is it's really critical to have an email list to launch to because that's where you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck. It's important to have social media followers. It's important to have contacts with like influencers and press. And we had all that already. So it was very easy for us to kind of like shrink the timeline, even though I feel like we shrunk it maybe a little bit too much. Um, the turnaround time for us being able to do a video was extremely short. I think we shot it and had it edited and final in less than two weeks which is pretty absurd. So I would say plan six months out. I would say even for us, one of my key learnings is that we didn't leave enough time. Um, and it really fell to the back burner uh, amongst the busyness of doing other things and launching other products. Um, so I would take that as a key lesson. Start early, um, especially if you don't have an audience. 
So the next learning is build your list. So most of our sales through Indiegogo. So Indiegogo is the platform we ultimately chose for crowdfunding. And I don't know if there's, I think there are differences between the two. And I know one of the things is like a key thing is to research to see what works best for you. Um, we decided to use Indiegogo, um, primarily because the brands on there, um, it just tended to lean towards more of independent designers and stuff like that. I think if you were on a more technical product, maybe Kickstarter might be better, but at the end of the day, they all have fees associated with them. They have a, um, typically like a transfer fee for your money that you get from them. Typically they have, um, you know, a fee for uh, processing transactions and a platform fee that it's all a percentage of what you raise. Um, and I just felt like Indiegogo was right for me. Now, I don't know what would be right for your business, but I would definitely uh, recommend looking into Kickstarter, Indiegogo, iFundWomen, if you have a, a female-founded brand. And I think there's a few other you can look at as well. There's definitely more niche ones. At the end of the day, Kickstarter, I think, is still the biggest with the biggest list and the most reach. Um, but it's really up to you to see um, how to set it up. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about is um, building your list. So when I look at Indiegogo, I don't know about Kickstarter because I don't have um, a campaign run on that. But the back end of Indiegogo is actually pretty interesting. So the entrepreneur view, I can see um, how much we funded. I can see how much funding we got through people exclusively through Indiegogo. I can also see the number of backers, total visits to our page and sources. Um, so when I look and I see all sources, we got a ton of, um, funding. Um, so we raised, um, our goal was 20,000 or sorry, 15,000. We raised 54,000 Canadian. Um, so that's 357% funded. Um, and 30,000 of that came from direct. And that's all from our email marketing campaign to our existing customers. The remainder was through primarily the Indiegogo platform, um, as well as some Facebook and some Google searches. Um, but most of it came from there. So that just reaffirms the importance of pre-building your list. Um, email marketing is still something I'm very passionate about. I think it's important. Um, paid ads are really important as well, but email will get you that direct link back um, at a very low cost. So focus on building your list and growing your list. And if you're not sure if your list is big enough, just try using some metrics to test it. So take, um, you know, a 2%, let's say like, let's be like really aggressive. So let's say you have um, a thousand people on your list and take a conversion rate of 5%, which I think is quite high. That's 50 people purchasing. Um, times, let's say your product price is a hundred dollars. That's $5,000 in funding. Um, and that's a pretty high conversion rate. Um, so you got to think about that when you're setting your goal, what would be realistic? Cause the one thing I also learned is that you want to get your campaign funded in the first kind of like 24 to 72 hours, cause that puts you in a great position to be featured in emails, um, to, you know, for us to Indiegogo's users, they have a really large email list. I think it's over 2 million people, um, as well puts you on the front page of their homepage and landing page under trending and hot campaigns. It gets you noticed. So you want to find that balance of setting a goal 
that's um, stretching you, but also is achievable and that's going to get you some momentum behind your campaign as well. The next thing I want you to think about a lot is getting a great video. I mean, I think most of the funded campaigns had a great video. Um, all the ones I looked at, like do some research on other brands, but all the campaigns that I saw for clothing that did really well and were funded, um, had a really good kind of like trailer video. Um, make a video that's great for Indiegogo. You can use it again on your product pages, but also, um, get a social media friendly one for ads as well. That may just involve having a shorter cut of the video for like 30 seconds versus like, I think our Indiegogo video, I think was two and a half minutes or something like that. Um, cause it can be a bit longer as a trailer on your, um, Indiegogo campaign. But I would say, um, for social media, you want something that's like 30 seconds would be my recommendation. Sorry. I just had to play it. It's three minutes her video. Um, and finding a video editor can be really challenging. My favorite place to find video editors is through referrals, through people you trust. So I asked a photographer who I worked with a long time ago, who I know has a lot of video contacts. I said, who would be great for this? We're trying to do this kind of video. And I gave her some context, um, some loose budget. And she said, instantly this guy reached out to him. He was interested. We talked about budget. We talked about timeline, um, availability, all that kind of stuff that would go into um, making a great video. And don't put it all on that person. You have to take some responsibility for crafting the video and the storyboards. I like to give video editors guidance. You know, I looked at campaigns that worked really well and I spent a lot of time mapping out how they structured their videos. Like, did they start with product benefits? Did they start with silence? Did they have the founder talking? Did they have voiceover? Was the voiceover different than the founder? So take notes of all of those elements and build them into your own storyboard. At the end of the day, a lot of these campaigns um, really find a balance in their videos of emotional and rational. So they play a lot to the founder's story, your mission, as well the functional benefits of the product versus something else out there in the market um, and really highlighting that pain point. So for us, it was about talking about what what's wrong with most blazers? Most blazers for women are made from wovens. Even if they're stretched, they're very uncomfortable and restrictive. They don't breathe. Um, they don't have functional pockets. Some of them even have fake pockets, which is crazy to me. Um, and our unblazer had zippered deep pockets. It was stretchy, comfortable. You could wear it from a day, day in, day out. Doesn't matter. Um, and it's machine washable, which was a huge point of difference versus any other blazer. So really focus on highlighting what makes you different, what makes your product different um, in that video. And in terms of budgeting for a video, I mean, I've seen people spend anywhere from a thousand to over ten thousand dollars on a video. I think we spent around three thousand, um, maybe thirty five hundred, uh, which sounds like a lot of money, but um, if you look at the quality of the video, it really pays off and it really helps sell that. So build that into your budget for your marketing campaign. All right. Invest in ads. So paid ads, I think are a really critical component of a lot of the campaigns you see on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. There are literally agencies and you'll see them mentioned if you scroll down to the bottom of campaigns who manage these campaigns. They take a cut. They manage all the budget ads. You could hire somebody like this. Um, but for us, um, because I have some ads capability. I did the ads myself. Um, we didn't run a ton of budget in ads. I think we did maybe a couple grand. 
um, in advertising on paid ads um, to cold audiences, and we put some to our warm audiences as well. Um, but just keep in mind when you see campaigns that are funded at like 200,000, 1 million, all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of paid ads going into that. That's just not like typically now something that went viral and like everybody found it. Um, a lot of these campaigns are spending almost the equivalent of what they're raising on paid ads. So that's a strategy for sure. I don't know if it's your strategy and I don't know if it's a lot of people's strategies because that's a lot of money to spend. And keep in mind, a lot of these crowdfunding campaigns don't pay out for 30 days or longer. So when we ran our campaign, it started on December 12th. We just got paid on January 20th. So that's a whole month and a bit to carry that cost of paying for those ads, paying for materials, all that kind of stuff. So you have to really work into your budget what would be realistic for you. Um, the next thing I want to mention that I think is interesting that I learned is um, planning your perks. So really spend a lot of time planning your perks and you know the pricing strategy behind that. Um, we decided pretty early on not to do anything really funky. So I know a lot of people will do like, you know, a a free t-shirt or like a tote bag or something that you wouldn't sell on your website normally, or like a water bottle. When I planned these perks out, I actually mapped out what their margin would be, um, with our product in them. And I worked back a discount into them. And I just determined that for our customer, they would rather have a bigger discount on the product than some sort of tote bag that probably isn't really necessarily on brand. Um, and doesn't really necessarily um, showcase our best efforts in product development. Um, and as actually was pretty margin dilutive because they're pretty expensive to make, um, at least ethically. So that was important to us. If you are raising and you're a brand new brand, this may be something you want to do. Um, maybe you can find a small accessory or something like that to give a lower uh, price point funding option. Um, but for us, we just wanted to come out straight with like, you know, the opportunity to buy one blazer, two blazers, or three blazers, and the discount kind of tiered up. So it increased the more you bought. Um, and we had early bird perks. So the, the discount was better for people who bought early on versus people who bought later. So we put a minimum, uh, or sorry, a maximum amount on the early bird perks. So we only made a certain amount available for early bird. And then after those were sold out, the next kind of wave of benefits came in. One of the other benefits of the early bird perks was that they got first um, first shipment out of our crowdfunding campaign. However, what happened was we oversold. So um, unfortunately, some of those early birds are still waiting for their shipments um, today. So that brings up a next point. It's important to really communicate during your campaign to your backers and let them know what's going on. Let them know when the shipments are happening. Um, we found that like the communication and the ship notices and all that kind of stuff from the platforms aren't that great. So I found the back end of Indiegogo and maybe it's because I've been spoiled by Shopify to be kind of a bit unwieldy. I think the insights are great, but managing the perks is like ugh, not great and managing the donations and contributions that people have sent. Um, you know, it's basically exporting CSV files, which are Excel compatible files and importing them into your shipping software. And I was very lucky that my assistant, um, 
who heads up customer love in our team, uh, is really savvy with our shipping software, ShipStation. So she was able to import them and manage those shipments that way and then export them and send them back to me and I import them into Indiegogo. But there's a lot of room for error in that process. So somebody could get double shipped. Um, somebody could cancel or request a refund um, from Indiegogo while you're in process of fulfilling their order. So that's why it's important to take your orders and your contributions in Indiegogo when they're being shipped and put them into lock mode and then put them into fulfilled mode. Lock mode essentially prevents people from requesting a refund from Indiegogo. So this is another thing I'll mention as well that was a learning for me is that you can't really help customers much once they place an order on Indiegogo. Um, You can do refunds, but a lot of um, issues we had where people getting charged in the wrong currency or um, they thought their um, purchase went through with Indiegogo, but they didn't realize it didn't. And maybe the rejection email went to their spam. Um, and it was hard for us to really figure out what happened if they hadn't actually successfully placed a contribution. Um, so there were some little hiccups there, I would say, that were out of our control, but they're good to know um, and just plan for some additional customer support around that kind of stuff. All right. One thing I think we did really well that was a great idea um, was we added the product to our site when it was funding on Indiegogo. Um, so you weren't able to purchase it on our site when it was funding, but we put banners on that product saying where to buy it on Indiegogo because um, people were searching for it on our site is what we realized. So we put it in as a product. We put it out of stock so people could opt in to um, buy it later on our site with their email. Um, and basically when anybody would do that, we would just email them and tell them it was funding on Indiegogo. But if they preferred, we could, you know, save their email and let them know when it was available on our website. So we started to build our own wait list because the reality is that I discovered is people, some people don't want to fund on Indiegogo, even though there's a price dis- difference, even though, um, they're going to save a lot of money. They just don't feel secure. And one of the reasons for that is because Indiegogo and Kickstarter have been accused in lawsuits, uh, which I wasn't aware of, of having campaigns that raise a lot of money where they don't actually deliver. And there's a huge warning on the checkout page that says, caution, this brand may not actually, you may never actually receive what you're funding for. Um, and that scared a lot of even our own customers which know us and trust us and know we've been around for like almost seven years. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind that, you know, if you have a website up, put that product up there, get it search engine friendly, get it searchable and get people opting into it. Um, if they're not comfortable with Indiegogo, because when we did our second wave, when our crowdfunding campaign ended and we actually put it available for sale on our website, we generated a ton of additional revenue. I think it was maybe almost like 10 to 12 grand in additional revenue um, from people who are just waiting to buy it from us, from our website. So don't discount that out. There's people who just feel more comfortable um, shopping with you. And the biggest difference with Indiegogo too that we did is that there was no refunds or um, exchanges. We tried to facilitate exchanges um, and I think we did a good job with that. It's just a little bit complicated in the Indiegogo platform. You can't do it in there. So you have to manage it offline with like a Google Sheet or something like that. Um, but we we held a strict final sale policy with our Indiegogo sales, mainly because um, you can't refund through there very easily. Um, and they were getting a massive discount. So um, we kind of had that. So there were people who would rather have that comfort factor of being able to exchange or return. Um, 
and not get that discount and that's fine, but just be prepared for that. All right. I just want to make sure I'm covering everything because we're coming to the last few minutes of this crowdfunding learnings. Um, so I think really knowing your target audience is super key. So for us, we really wanted to know, um, who would buy our unblazer and that played into, um, the publications we pitched our press releases to that played into our, um, Facebook ads, like who we were marketing to. Um, and really that played into our promotion. One thing I would say that we didn't do very well. And perhaps it's because we got funded really quickly. So we got funded within the first, we beat our goal, I think within the first 20, within the first two hours, I think we had hit our goal or something like that. Um, so, and then we got most of our funding within the first, um, 72 hours. And then we had a bit of a bump towards the end of the campaign and started raising a bit more. And they kind of trickled in, like we would get like, you know, a handful of backers every day and stuff like that. But the majority came within the first like week for sure. I would say like 95%. Um, so we got a little bit lazy, I would say with promotion after that. Like we definitely didn't send out another email campaign about it. Um, we, did promote it on social media. We had influencers promoting it, which was really great and really helpful, not only for the um, sales page on Indiegogo to have testimonials to get influencers um, on that page with their photos and their their quotes and testimonials about the product. Um, and we posted on social media, but we got a little lazy. So if you are um, funding and you're a brand new brand, um, or even if you're not, um, keep promoting, keep pushing it. I think that's really important. I think we probably could have done a lot better on our um, achievement of our, uh, I mean, not achievement, we achieved our goal. We could have probably raised a lot more if we had been a bit more consistent in promoting it organically and probably done another email because there's new people on our list at every given moment. So we probably should have gone out with another email. It was just such a busy time of year. We had boxing week going on and all this kinds of stuff and holiday. So we didn't really, um, keep pushing it. So that's one thing is just to be consistent, um, in your promotion throughout your campaign. Um, you never know. You can also ask people to promote it for you. Um, ask for shares, like ask people not just to support your campaign, but say like everything matters, like share it on your social media, share it here, share it there, email your friends personally to do that. Um, that's really, really critical to get that momentum and the virality of your campaign, um, and ensure that it has the reach that it needs to be successful. Um, take feedback for sure from your campaign and look at where people are falling off. Like your customer support email will be really critical for this. So, um, identifying if people are concerned about sizing or fit, maybe you can make updates to your story, um, on the crowdfunding platform to address that. Um, and the last thing I want to say is, yeah, just keep that communication flowing. So we do updates. I'm about to do an update actually now with our uh, backers about uh, where we're at uh, with shipping because we've fulfilled about, um, I think, 60% of the orders of our crowdfunding campaign. But you always want to follow through on your promises. And if you're delayed or anything like that happens, which is totally normal in the product-based business world, um, make sure to keep your backers updated because um, nothing is worse than keeping them in limbo. Um, we actually had a customer, we posted an update on our end blazer and she posted that she didn't receive it, but she had 
um, crowdfunded on the first day and I was like sincerely alarmed. So we got back to her right away. And what had happened was her package was actually, um, returned to us and then sent back. So she will be, she got her package, um, I think the other day, which is great. But always be communicating, always be addressing those comments, even if they're positive or negative, because that plays into your brand and how it's viewed by um, your customers and backers as well. All right. So apologies again about my, about my voice. I am feeling a little bit better today, but I want to get this out um, because I know there's a lot of people looking for this episode because crowdfunding might be part of your strategy in 2020. So whether you're a brand new brand or you're coming out with an innovative product launch or collection or doing something really neat and cool in your business, um, try crowdfunding. I mean, we got 21% of our uh, funding through new people who had never heard about the brand, who some of them I saw purchase from us on our website thereafter. So this can be a great channel for getting reach and new exposure to your brand. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions on crowdfunding, hit me up on Instagram at Brave and Boss and look forward to talking to you guys next on the next week's episode. Talk to you soon. Bye. for listening to brave and boss the podcast if you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com where you can find all the show notes free resources and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store you can also follow me at k-r-i-s-t-i-s-o-o-m-e-r on instagram find your purpose make it happen i'll talk to you soon